Well, today we are starting our uh, Radiant series, Radiant series in 1 John. So if you want to open your copy of God's life-giving word to the book of 1 John, we'll be in chapter 1. That's where we will start, of course, uh, in verse 1. And if you're using one of the Bibles we provide for you when you walk in, it's page 1021. All right, 1,021, 1 John. And we're calling this series Radiant um, because uh, if you look down, if you just want to cheat and look down uh, in verse 5, it says, this is the message we have heard from him and proclaimed to you that God is light. All right, like if you look up those lights, believe me, those lights are bright, okay, and they will kind of hurt your vision, needless to say. Um, well, well, God is, is much, much brighter than any light you've ever seen. He is ultimate and complete radiance, all right? If you want to kick it back a couple centuries, I'm talking effulgence, all right? And some of you want to Google search that. It just means extreme brightness, all right? So, so that is who God is. And the amazing thing, all right, I'm just, God, give me some grace because I'm a little excited today after that seven-person team band leading us in some songs, a new song, all right, is, is that uh, as we step into his light, guess what happens? He lights us up. We become light. And we shine, we don't shine as perfectly as God because we are rather imperfect, uh, but we still shine for people to see. That's why we're calling this series Radiant over the next about seven weeks. We're going to look at the first uh, couple few chapters of 1 John and think about this idea of radiance. Now, before we just get into all of this, I want to ask you to do a thought experiment with me, okay? Just this will be fun. I want you to think back to one or some of your life's greatest experiences, okay? Just take a second. You can close your eyes if it helps. What is one of your life's greatest experiences and what made it so great? Not just like what you did or experienced, but why was it so amazing? And I just want to give you four of, of my life's greatest experiences and uh, give you kind of a factor on each one. So uh, the first one I would point to was uh, a, a trip that my family took, a family vacation. Okay, we're talking Griswolds here, all right? Family vacation out west. So I grew up in Kentucky, okay, middle, middle of America, okay, kind of the Midwest, kind of the South, kind of the North, certain parts of the state. And we took a 5,000, I think it was actually 5,300-mile trip out west. Okay, so we cut across Kansas, went up cut across the Dakotas, all right, hit the Badlands, on into Wyoming, Yellowstone, down south, Grand Tetons, uh, there at Jackson Hole. Then we kept going south, hit uh, Arizona, Utah, Grand Canyon, Zion National Park. Um, my dad and I love the movie Tombstone, so, you know, if you're that close, you got to go to the OK Corral. And, uh, and then we, and we cut across uh, back, you know, through uh, New Mexico, Texas, and, and uh, back home. And uh, what was so great about that trip was the relational factor, all right? It was my mom, my dad, my sister, and me. And uh, when I wasn't sitting in the front seat because I was taller than my sister, even though I was younger than my sister, and she gets still gives me a hard time about that, um, I was in the back seat dominating my sister in Yahtzee, all right? I'm talking 25 out of 30 wins. It was historic, and she still has bad memories of that trip because of Yahtzee to this day. All right, just, you know, Courtney, if you're watching, mm, Yahtzee. So um, that, was a, that, was a great, that was a great experience. Um, another unbelievable experience 
was the birth of our children, right? Those are experiences. We have three. Uh, but this particular picture, uh, this is Jordan Hope, all right? She was born in 2011, and uh, is that right? No, that was Kessa's. Sorry, 2014. Thank you. Wow. Um, and, and this moment, this moment, this picture, like, it just absolutely melts me. I'm telling you, like, it's hard for me to look at because she came out and cried a little bit, but then she was just so chill, just so sweet. Look at those cheeks. Look at that little nose, right? Look at those lips. And her eyes just looking up at me. And I don't know if God was kind of pressing in on my heart because I thought, you know, the third one would be a boy um, or what, but like this little girl, I just would not trade her for anyone in the world. Amazing moment. And so uh, we could call that the anticipation factor, okay? Because some of life's greatest moments are the one that you, ones that you anticipate that they will, in fact, be great. There's just some moments we know, hey, this is a moment that will be amazing. And then you have what I'll call the surprise factor, all right? These are moments that exceed your expectation, all right? Now, let's throw up that good picture of my man, Kevin Garnett. Here he is, all right? Now, before you hate on a pastor, all right, I'm not saying this moment when I was with my sister in the upper deck of the garden, all right, was greater than my baby's birth, all right? I'm not saying that, all right? But what I am saying is that KG's knuckle push-ups after he got taken down by the Miami Heat, all right, this is back in 2010, 11, 12, I can't remember the year, but I do remember the game, game two, all right, when we were trying to go for our sec- a second championship in about three years is because KG was just so focused, so, you know, in the game that he got fouled, and instead of getting up, he just did these knuckle push-ups on the floor of the garden, and the whole place just went bonkers, all right? And so that was a moment of surprise, all right? It exceeded my expectations. It was an unforgettable moment because of what Garnett did. You sports fans are loving it. The rest of you are like, what is he talking about? Um, anyway, Kevin Garnett, thank you, Mr. KG. And then, and then finally, finally, um, you have not just the the relational factor and the anticipation factor and the surprise factor, but you have the communication factor. And these are moments that you just can't help but talk about. You know what I'm saying? And so if you can throw back this picture circa 2005, come on now, come on, don't hate on, don't hate on my clothing, all right? Uh, hey, am I, looking, am I looking GQ? Am I looking confident or what, huh? This was after, okay, this was after... Uh, my friend, who said she wanted to be single, um, came crawling back to me. You know what I'm saying? Come on now. <laughs> uh, and, uh, you know, hey, 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 I got to tell that because, because I did shed a few tears when she said, you know, I think God wants me to be single. And I was thinking, I didn't think God wants that, but, you know, you trust you. Uh, so I cried. I cried. On the phone, I cried. And then a month later, you know, the Lord changed plans, and she came, she came back, you know, um, and, and just amazing, uh, just amazing. Uh, I can't help but talk about her, right? And it's, why is Pastor Tanner so dressed up today? It's my wife's birthday, all right? Come on now. Hey, uh, <laughs> So um, she, lo- she loves that picture. Um, all right, so, so life's, life's greatest experiences, did you think of yours? One of yours, relational, anticipation, surprise, communication, all of these factors. Would, would you, would, would you, as you, as you list maybe a, a top five or a top ten, 
would you include any God moments in your life's greatest experiences? Can, can you say that there are kind of milestone moments where because God was like seeking you out and wanting to relate to you, maybe even like this moment right now, by the way, thank you, um, where you were so surprised and maybe you were also anticipating and then you, you, as you were anticipating, you were even more surprised than what you anticipated that it was so good, so good that you just had to talk about it. You just had to talk about who God is and what God has done. And I think if we're being honest, so many, so many even, not just people, but, but Christians would maybe build their life's greatest moments, but man, maybe God's not making the top five. And here's the, here's the, the thing that God is teaching me, all right? If God is a person, and God is a person, he is God, but he exists as Three persons in the Trinity, Father, Son, Spirit. Okay, God is a personal God. He, not, he didn't just create the world and kind of throw it into a spinning existence, okay? But he is intricately involved in this world, not just in creation, but also in relationship to those he has created. So the idea that I want to bring to you today is that God wants to be our, are you ready for this, friend. He wants to be our friend. And it's not just in these milestone moments, okay? But God actually wants to have us experience such a relationship that is filled with anticipation and surprise that we would actually want to talk about that relationship like every single day. Like, God, God, is, God is that relational that he is not saying, like, I'm going to show up and I'm going to do something amazing in your life once every two or three years. No, God is saying, if you want me, I am available every single day. So that's, that's why, that's why. Uh, this, is, this is important to us, our, our vision. We, we, we laid this out on September 3rd. I just kind of reintroduced the, the vision for the year. And uh, in September and in October, they're basically the same pursuit, the same focus, all right? It says, seek God in prayer like never before. And what's that about? It's, it's about a friendship. It's about knowing God. It's about growing in our relationship with him. It takes time. But God is ready. He's waiting for us. And so as we dive into 1 John, the first four verses, the encouragement today is, is to experience abundant friendship with God through Jesus. That's it. Experience abundant friendship with God through Jesus. Let me read these first four verses for us as we get into this little letter. John says this. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we looked upon and have touched with our hands, concerning the word of life, and the life was made manifest, and we have seen it and testify to it and proclaim to you the eternal life which was 
with the Father and was made manifest to us. That which we have seen and heard, we proclaim also to you, so that you may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And we are writing these things to you so that our joy may be complete. So just a, a really quick kind of overview of, of this little letter, 1 John. Okay, it's, first, it's called 1 John because the internal and external evidence, okay, not only the components within the letter internally, but the external evidence of like church historians and church fathers saying, oh yeah, John wrote, John wrote, John wrote, John wrote, as early as the first century are saying John wrote the book. Okay, so he is the author and there's no salutation as is typical in a letter, but I think it's safe and best to uh, recognize this as a pastoral letter of, of, a, of, a, of a man who cares about these people who is writing to them so that they can, A, all right, combat these false teachers who were coming along taking shots at Jesus, okay, saying that who he was and what he did wasn't on par with what the apostles, including John, were saying about Jesus. Uh, but more than that, it was not just to combat these false teachers, okay, but to promote a life of loving one another. Hello, look around the room, loving one another, loving God with all of who we are so that we live like Jesus. Okay, you're going to get that next week. Um, and, and then also uh, so that we can have confidence in our uh, salvation, what God has done in our heart. We don't have to doubt it. All right, we don't have to doubt it. We can be assured by what he's done in our lives. And so uh, let me just give you three encouragements as we work our way through these four verses, okay? Uh, and the first one is this. Let's experience Jesus as the word of life. Experience Jesus as the word of life. The subject of the letter, okay, big surprise. All right, this is not a surprise factor. The subject of the letter is Jesus, and Jesus is the topic here. Jesus is the subject of this letter um, that John wrote. Now, what do we learn about him in these opening verses? Well, number one, the very first phrase says, that which was from the beginning. So, so, so John is speaking of Jesus, and he makes the startling claim, okay, that Jesus was before anything else was. In other words, Jesus was existing before anything else came into creation, which would make him the creator of all things. We know this in part because John is intentionally echoing two other prologues, okay? The one he wrote in the Gospel of John. If you've never read the Gospel of John, the Gospel just means good news about Jesus. There were four uh, authors who wrote uh, a summary of Jesus' life, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, okay? And if you've never read one of those, then please, by all means, take some time over the next month and read through the Gospel of John because what you're gonna see are all kinds of themes that relate to what we're studying here in 1 John. So John starts his, his Gospel by saying this, in the beginning was the Word, okay? And the Word was with God and the Word was God. All things were made through Him. And so what John is doing from the very beginning is he is touting the deity of Jesus Christ. 
He's saying when you, look, when you look at Jesus, when you hear about Jesus, we're talking about the one who is the creator of all things. We're talking about him who is the God-man. Fully God, fully man. Boom, let that blow your mind. If he's got it, it's fine. You know, does that make sense? Like God is, by the way, if you want to, if, this is a sidebar, not in my notes. Um, if you try to put God in a box, you're going to be frustrated and you're probably going to be way off target. God is unboxable. All right, thank you. That's an encouragement. It's an encouragement. And this is so important because some were denying that Jesus wasn't, is, and forever will be the Messiah, all right, the, the Christ. And so if, if Jesus wasn't the promised Messiah who was going to bring in all of God's kingdom and everything that God wanted for us, okay, if you start missing, messing with the, the Messiahship of Jesus and the deity of Jesus, then you mess with everything that Jesus did, including dying on the cross for your and my salvation. And we're, we're all in big trouble. We're just all in big trouble if, 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 if he is not him who is from the beginning, but then also he is the word of life. And I want to focus here, okay? Jesus is the word of life. And if you're reading carefully in the ESV, you see we'll have two options for this, okay? If you compare to other translations, it is either word of life, lowercase w, okay, which would speak of a message spoken about life, or it is capital W, okay, big W, and, and that would refer to that person that I talked about that John already spoke of in John chapter 1. It's a person who is called the eternal word, Jesus Christ. And I think there's, at least to me, there's little doubt that, that John is speaking of capital W here. I would actually want to deviate from the, the translation we use here at Redemption Hill, the ESV, because he immediately talks about, hey, this, this word of life, we heard him, we saw him, we touched him. Sounds like more than a message to me. But the, the word, the, the lowercase word, and the big word, okay, the uppercase, capital W, were, like, they are actually inseparable. Because the word we speak is about the word who is forever. You got that? And so John says that this, this word, that life is found in him. He is the source of life. He is the giver of life. He speaks words of life. Everything that he did were, were actions that reflected life. Like if you, if you look at Jesus, okay, and you look at him through the Gospels, what we have is a picture of what our lives are ought to be what we should want them to be as though we were fully alive. So, so let me just break this down theologically, okay? Jesus had no sin. Jesus was sinless. He always did what God designed him to do, the Father designed him to do. And God made us to follow that pattern, so that as we, as we follow in the steps of Jesus, we are going to be increasingly alive. Irenaeus is attributed to him as a second century church you know, father. He said that the glory of God is man fully alive. As, as God created us to be, amazing thought, amazing thought. 
So it's this experience of Jesus that John is saying, hey, we, we, this word of life, we heard him. We heard him teach. We heard him give parables. We heard him speak tenderly to children. We heard him on a raging sea speak just a few words, peace, be still, and everything was calm. John is saying that we saw him. We saw him heal the sick. We saw him touch untouchable lepers. No one was touching someone with leprosy. They, they rang a bell so that everyone would get, get the mess out of the way. All right, That's how bad it was. And Jesus is just going up and touching them and caring for them and healing them. They saw all of this. They, they saw him spend all night in prayer. You remember this from September 3rd, I hope. And they touched him. They felt, can you imagine, feeling the embrace of Jesus? I mean, wow, I hope that's overwhelming for you. But guess what? If you are in Christ, that's coming for you. Like Jesus will wrap his arms around you one day. When you see him, he will surely embrace you. And not just before his crucifixion did they feel his embrace, but after his resurrection, they touched his nail-scarred hands, his his, his spear-pierced side. And so all of this is possible, like for John and the disciples, all of this was possible because God showed up in the person of Jesus Christ. The eternal son of God showed up in this baby who was born of a virgin. We sang that song, This I Believe, okay? Mary was her name, and and, and the son of God entered time and space in the form of a baby. That's what Christmas is all about. That's what Advent is all about. And so isn't it amazing that God would pursue us if that, by the way, that theological word is called incarnation, like becoming flesh, God the Son becoming flesh, incarnating, wrapping carnal flesh around himself, all right? If, if the incarnation is about anything, it's about the grace of God pursuing us. Now, never assume that you took the first step toward God. It's just a, it's just a, a, a heresy, like it's false. I mean, heresy is a strong word, but it's just false teaching, right? It's just, God has pursued us, and he did it through... Sending his son. That's what this word uh, in verse 2, when it says Jesus was with the Father and he was made manifest to us. Manifest is a word that we don't use a lot, but it just means to be made known or to be revealed. So here's the amazing thing. Jesus shows up and he reveals, he makes known who God is. So as my mentor taught me back in grad school, back when that circa 05 picture was taken, that smooth picture, all right? Um, this, is, this is Christology, okay? This is the study in the, of the person and work of Christ. If you, this is a great quote. If you want to know what God is like, look at Jesus. If you want to know what God is like, look at Jesus. John 1.14, the word became flesh and dwelled among us and we beheld his glory, glories of the only son from the father, full of grace, full of truth. I've never seen a person full of grace and full of truth. John 1.18, no one has seen God. No one has ever seen God, it says, but the only God, the one from the father, sent from the father, he has revealed him or explained him or the Greek word is like exegeted him. He has explained what he is like. Wow. If you want to know what God is like, look, look at Jesus. And, and this Jesus is the one who brings eternal life. If you keep reading, what does it say? In verse 
to the life was made manifest, and we have seen it and testify to it and proclaim to you the what? Eternal life, which was with the Father. So when Jesus shows up, he who is the word of life, he brings eternal life with him. He is the personification of eternal life. Eternal life is found in him. And so if you're looking for life now, and if you're looking for eternal life with God, not separated from God, but with God forever, look no further than the person of Jesus. You guys, you guys with me? Word. Good. And the, and the implications for this are so massive, right? Just to, just to break it down, right? Just to break it down into like October 8th and 9th. 2017, talking about eternal life, talking about the word of life, talking about all the theological stuff, talking about incarnation. Talk about today and talk about tomorrow. Fine, I'll be glad to do that. If Jesus is the word of life and he is eternal life embodied, he is the one who gives the abundant life right now, okay, then here's just, let me get your attention. If you are missing joy, if you are missing peace in your soul, If you are missing a vibrancy that you had when you were a kid, Jesus. God wants to give us himself. Like it's not life in an abstract way. It's life that comes in a person. And that person is Jesus, and he gives us, check this out, the spirit of Jesus who dwells in everyone who by faith believes in, in, by grace believes in Jesus. And so what I'm doing here, just to, as we're talking about experiencing Jesus, experiencing the word of life, I am, I am pleading with you. And as some of you don't know me, so this might kind of feel weird, but I guess this is what pastors do, right? We just explain the Bible and try to show how it's relevant for our lives. So if you're new, nice to meet you. I really care about you, and I'm even pleading with you too, all right? I'm pleading with you too. Based on not just my experience with God over the course of my life, but particularly over the past couple of months, some of you have heard my Rhode Island story. I'll talk about it a little more in a minute. God wants to spend time with us. I'm talking about like real seconds, minutes, and hours. Listen, let me just be straight up, okay? And I say this in love. Truth and love last week, truth and love this week, truth and love every week. If, if, If your experience with God is reduced to an hour and a half on Sunday, you were in the world of religion but not the world of Jesus. If, if our, and listen, guys, I've been there. I have been there. I have been there as a pastor, like to a degree, right? Like don't get freaked out, all right? But, but to, a, to a degree, all right? Like we all have these, this, but, but the, the point, like as Oswald Chambers talking about, the supreme climb, we're like, we're just growing in him. We're growing deeper in him, okay? But, 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 but if your experience of God is limited to two hours on a Sunday morning, then what you are saying is that for the 110 other waking hours of your week, God is asleep which is impossible 
Or you're saying, or you're saying, I'm sleeping on him. He's waiting for, he's waiting. Like, like, like a child wants to spend time with their father or mother. God, like a father, here's the image, the better I flip the image, but, but like a father, he's a father. He is our father. He wants to spend time with us. And I'm talking about actual seconds, minutes, and hours in our week. So, so if you want to know God, if you want to spend time with God, listen, God has revealed himself to us in this, like, can't you feel the life that is coming from these words? Just as, like, you know, I don't say that every Sunday, but I mean, that life is here. God has spoken through this book, through his eternal word, Jesus. And so if you ever want to spend time with God, open up the Bible. And open it up every day. Open it up multiple times a day. Pray. Seek God in prayer. And it can be more than just when, you hit, when, you're, when your head hits the pillow at night. Not that that's a bad thing. If that's the extent of your prayer life, I'm not hating on you at all. That's great. Keep going, but take another step. And see, I got to tell you that, that, that right now in, in my past, you know, uh, probably eight, eight or nine weeks, um, my relationship with God is not work. It's a joy. And let me just put it very, very practically, okay? No one has to ask me on Thursday night to go to bed early. Talking about 9 p.m., talking about 10 p.m. You think that's crazy? I do too. <laughs> All right? Because um, I'm a night owl. I used to stay up like not in the morning. Um, but no one has to ask me to go to sleep early so that I can wake up at least at 5.30 and get a shower and a cup of coffee so that I can be on my back deck and enter into this prayer circle that we started back at the end of August just to pray with some friends. You don't have to, it's not work for me. I look forward to it. It's one of the highlights of my week. And I'm not saying like, look at Pastor Tanner. He's so spiritual. He wakes up early on Friday mornings. Like if that's your expectation of a pastor, we're probably in trouble. All right, we're probably in trouble. But, 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 but does, like, does this resonate with you? Are you experiencing God in such a way that you're just like, you're anticipating? You're expecting surprise. It's so good that you can't help but talk about it with someone. You're invited on Friday morning. You're like, everyone's invited, all right? Marcia's like, what are you doing? Hold up. <laughs> You're invited, and if half the church shows up this Friday morning, we're going to start about 10 to 15 prayer circles around this city. So show up. Can't wait. Let's do it. All right. Moving right along. Not really, but we are moving right along. All right, Tanner, here we go. Keep going, Tanner. You can do it. All right, here we go. Uh, number two, all right. Not only experience the word of life, all right, but number two, let your Jesus experience, and we've already talked about this because it's boom, 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 all right? Move you to tell others about Jesus, to talk about Jesus. Let your Jesus experience move you to talk about Jesus, and this is how we like to talk about talking about Jesus. It's like we, we, we build it up as if this kind of like this, we're on a mission. And we are on a mission, but I think we're on a mission. And, you know, we're praying for people around us. And we are praying for people around us. I'm about to talk about that. Um, but it's like it's so monumental that, um, you know, like we have to muster up all of this spirituality just to start a conversation with someone about Jesus when really it's just talking. I talk about the, pat, the pats and I talk about what's happening in local government. And then I talk about Jesus. Like when I'm in step with Jesus, that is. 
And I'm just, the point is, is it can be natural. And even if it doesn't feel natural, like it can certainly be natural. And so just, the, to, just to play off these two words, expl- explain these two words, rather. John says in, in verse 2 that we testify to this word of life. And to testify to something is just to share a, share a personal experience, right? Like a testimony in court is to say, like, hey, I, I witnessed this, I experienced this, and, and now I'm just going to talk about what I experienced. And so listen, if, if you are in Christ, then you have a story. If you are walking with God on the daily, you have a story to tell every single day. And I put some extra syllables in there because I like it better that way, okay? Every day, like Lecrae does it in his rap songs. Come on now. Um, we have stories to tell. But this is how it works, right? This is like the more, the more time we spend with Jesus, the more stories we will have to tell. And the more time that we spend with him, the more he is going to fill up our hearts so that we just naturally overflow Speaking about him, remember that, out of the the overflow of your heart, your mouth is going to speak. Whatever is most important to you, whatever you value the most, you'll talk about. And so at Redemption Hill, we talk about steps change stories. Like when you take a step, this is part of our vision, right? And you just see here at the very first word, 2000, says steps change stories. And, And we all have people in our life that, Quite frankly, just like I was talking to a friend this week in Charlestown, he's starting a church in Charlestown. He, he, talked to, he talked Jesus with someone, and she says these words directly out of her mouth, why has someone never told me this before? And I'm telling you, I have so many friends in my life that could say the same thing to me. Why hasn't someone, why haven't you, oh, Pastor Tanner, why haven't you told me this before? And so we, we talk a lot about, we, we borrow this term from a pastor we love in New York City, um, evangelistic networking. It just, it's, it's just kind of an a everyday term for how we want to be about the business of, of talking about Jesus with just people in our, in our relational networks. And so you can, you can get one of these cards. You can get 10 of these cards. We'll just order 1,000 more, right? Um, you, can, you can grab a stack of these cards on your way out today. They'll be on both tables by the front door. We call these our multiply cards. And on the back, it just has our, is it you? You're the orange. You're small. Um, <laughs> classmates, friends, coworkers, family, neighbors, in the community, people that you bump into at the store, at the gym, at the park, coffee shop, and you can draw a thousand other circles, all right? The point is we all have people that are in those relational spheres that God, like, put us there for a purpose, and he wants us to love them with his love. And he wants us to serve them like he has served us. And he wants us to naturally talk about him so that they can consider wow, maybe Jesus is the one from the beginning who is life and who brings eternal life. And so, so let me just say, I'm just going to, as much as I can, even if I preach a little long, I'm gonna, my goal was to be shorter today because it was long last week, just for what it's worth. All right. Um, do you know how this will happen in your life? Because I know this, like I've been there and I am there and I even have to pray about it every morning. I'm serious. 
God, help me to, I'm just going to tell you how I pray. You don't have to, this, this, you defend, don't, don't fear, don't wear it. All right, but I'm just going to have it. God, help me not be a coward today. <laughs> That's how I pray. You know what I'm saying? That's how I pray. Give me some courage. Give me some boldness. Give me some love. Help me to be obedient, right? Like when Jesus said, hey, tell others about me, it wasn't in a, suge- a suggestion. It wasn't an ask. Okay, he was telling us to tell others, right? Like he, it's an expe- expectation. But what I find is this. The more time that I spend with Jesus, I'll say this. I've been more bold. I've been more courageous. Some of you have felt my courage. <laughs> and it's not my courage, right? It's not my courage because it is the abundance of Jesus up in here. Man, I am nothing. Who are we? Who are you? Who am I? No, it's all God's grace. It's all God working in our life. So if you want to take those steps, and, and I'm telling you, like when this happens, this is why seeking God in prayer like never before for a heart of prayer and seeking God in, like never before for story-changing steps, our own and others around us, that is, this is why it's so crucial, Right? It's why it's so crucial because if, if we don't have that relationship and we don't have that abundance, then you can forget about, all right? You can forget about being in that spot where you're so just naturally wanting to talk about Jesus. And so God just brings us to that spot, like by your grace, like in, in, in step by step and in increasing measure, like incrementally. Okay, again, like the, the, the call today, okay, the encouragement, the, the exhortation is not so that like you'll be like so jacked up on Jesus like Pastor Tanner is these days, right? You know what I'm saying? That, 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 that like you have my relationship with God. And not that I'm the standard by any stretch. Okay, pastors are supposed to be an example, by the way. Um, but, but, but I'm not firing on all cylinders. I'm not. I want to be. I want to be more courageous. I want to be more bold. I want to be more loving. But you hear all this, right? You hear what I'm saying. You feel me. All right, thank you. Point three. Here we go. What time is it? Enjoy the amazing results. Enjoy amazing results as you experience Jesus. So, so in verses three and four, what John does is he says, look, I am introducing Jesus to you for three purposes, okay? Three purposes. One is so that you can experience a deeper friendship with one another. Okay, so just look around the room. Look at the person you're right and your left. Here's the news, okay? You did that. Thank you. That was awesome. Amazing. Thank you. Wow. Um, God wants you to actually experience a deeper friendship with one another. And if you say, oh, it's deep, Tanner, it's deep. Well, great. God wants it to be deeper, all right? Deeper. So, so how does that happen? It happens as two people are locked in on the same goal. I'm changing the word friendship for fellowship. John says in, in verse, uh, verse 3, that which we have seen and heard, we proclaim also to you, so that, okay, so that you may have fellowship with us. Fellowship is having something in common. Fellowship is having a common purpose, a shared identity, a shared, a shared mission. And so the, here's the working assumption that John has. He's going to explain it in the next phrase, all right? If two people share Christ in common 
and they both are increasingly abiding in Christ. That means hanging out with Jesus, dwelling with Jesus, making sure that friendship with Jesus is the priority of one's life, all right? As two people are doing that, guess what's going to happen? Their friendship is going to get better. So married couples, please hear that. Dating couples, please hear that. Roommates, please hear that. Friends, please hear that. If you want your relationship and your friendship to get better, spend more time with Jesus and it will get better. And I'm just going to rewind to seven, uh, not seven weeks ago, five weeks ago, 35 days ago. There we go. When, when I shared that, if you didn't listen to the prayer sermon, by the way, just please go listen to it because that's where our church is right now. And that's where we want our church to go. Okay. But, but, but in that prayer, I mean, you may remember I was talking about um, the Lord's Prayer and our Father and how God transforms our relationships. And I said, listen, if you want to grow, I made the same point. If you want to grow in your relationship with someone, then just go pray with them. Now, here's the problem. It's been 35 days, and some of you still have the same friction, maybe more friction than you had 35 days ago, but you haven't taken that step. And what I want to say as a pastor, honestly, is, man, that kind of that aggravates me. You know, that kind of, I mean, I say it in love. Why, why is it aggravating me? Because, because I want what's best for you. I, I, I want you to have deeper friendships. I want the friction to be eliminated. Are we going to have friction in relationship? Yes, absolutely, no doubt about it. But I'm just saying, like, if you'll just start praying together more, you can just watch that friendship rise. It's just... It's just the way, it is impossible for that not to happen if both people are locked in with Jesus. Okay, there's the qualifiers, so don't argue. If you want to argue, we can argue later. I would love, it would be fun. I would love you as we argue because that's civility. That was three weeks ago. All right, thank you. Deeper friendship with one another, deeper friendship with God. Because what, what John says is, he says, so that you may have fellowship with us, and indeed, it is true, surely our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. So in other words, our fellowship, what makes our fellowship so fellowshipy, all right, is that we have this friendship with God. And so I hope, I hope that you want this kind of friendship with God. I hope, that, I hope that you would receive the encouragement. Like, so God was at work before I showed up in Rhode Island back in mid-August that I talked about in the prayer sermon. But just, just, just having that, that meal with that family who said, talk to me about prayer and the life of your church, and then meeting with Pastor Stephen Mook who said, he just kept talking about abide, dwell, just hang out with Jesus. Just spend more time with Jesus. That, that, that's where it's at. And then, and then at the day of prayer the next day, this man named Ian Rowland is talking about to, to seek God more and to be even, check this out, more vulnerable with God. Wow, what a thought. And then for another man later that night to say these words, you must be willing to pay the price for the presence of God. And that's not a newsflash, okay? It's not like, that's not a surprise because Jesus says, if you want to follow me, you must deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. 
but there is a price to be paid. Like if you want a friendship, if you want a deeper friendship with your friends, then you need to spend time. And if you want a deeper friendship with God, then you must spend time. And what God is saying is that I want to give you more of myself, but I also want more from you. I want you to give me more of yourself. And as that happens, we not only have a deeper friendship with one another, but we have a deeper friendship with God. And then that leads actually to, finally, verse 4, a deeper joy that is unshakable. So that, we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. And there's just a, to get a little technical, there's a question. Is the, is the translation, the pronoun, okay, is it, um, well, let me try to do this English class, help me out, students, uh, second person plural, uh, our joy? Or is it uh, third person singular? Come on, Doug, am I right? Uh, first person, no, 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 your, your would be third person singular, right? Yeah, our is first person, oh, thank you, thank you, yeah. Anyway, I'm going to be quiet now. You get the point, all right? I just butchered, man. I'm, I have a degree in this stuff. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> but it doesn't, it, it doesn't, I think it's our joy. I would side with the ESV here. I think it's our joy. But here's the beauty of it. If, 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 if John is saying, like, you experiencing Jesus would light up my joy, our joy, the only reason he would say that is because their joy is increasing in Jesus. And so these two are not pitted against one another, but they are in lockstep. That as, so, so as you experience joy in Jesus, I have more joy. And if you look around to your friendships, you should be saying the same thing. As you experience Jesus more, I experience him more. As you have more joy, I have more joy. That's how it works. And one more time, in case you missed the last 40 minutes of this sermon, how does this happen? Jesus and John... 1511 says this, these things I have spoken to you that my joy, Jesus says my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full, that your joy may be complete. And what has he just talked about just before that? Abide in me. Spend time with me. Ask me whatever you wish. Pray. Don't move away from me. But when you remain in me, you're going to bear fruit and you're going to experience full joy. So, 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 so let me just close with this thought. I wish I had more time to tell you about our pastor's retreat this week. Pastor Reddy's in Montreal. I love you, Pastor Reddy. Uh, pastor John's right here. He can testify to this. Testify. Um, so we were, we, were, uh, we were listening to some music on YouTube this week. And, uh, and we were talking about, well, I won't get into all the details, it'll take too long. But anyway, we were just listening to these songs, and it turns out they were like old school kind of hymns, all right? Like we sing more new school stuff, but we sing some old school stuff in a new way at Redemption Hill. But we were talking about throwback old school hymns, all right? And old school songs like Curtis Mayfield stuff, all right? This is fun. Um, and so, so what I found is that this week, now what's happening is when I pull up my YouTube app, on the first page of recommended songs and videos, what, what, what do I see? I see old hymns, and I see Curtis Mayfield, and then I see David Wilkerson sermons and Francis Chan sermons and all this music that I've been loving and listening to these days. Okay, so what's the point? Here's the point. You smart people know this. YouTube, Google, Microsoft, 
Amazon. They present intricate algorithms to make sure that I see that which I just experienced, bought, or listened to because the working assumption is what? You will want more of what you just experienced. You will want more of what you just experienced. Let's pray. God, God, would you please, God, would you please move us to want more of you. And God, surely as we experience more of you, we will want more of you. So Father, would you do that? Would you increase our hunger for you, our experience of you, so that, so that we can have all of this deeper friendship with you and one another and joy in this so that we can tell more people about you and this church will change and the city will change. So God, thank you for making yourself available to us. Thank you for giving us life, abundant life now, eternal life forever. We pray this in the name of Christ. Amen.